0: Hey, Concepts with Chris and Allie. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Allie. Let's drink wine and talk crime. Yeah, let's do it.
0: So last week we had um, some fun holiday um, cheer for you all and we did some fun things or really not some fun things some real serious mm-hmm. things. This week we're going to try to lighten it up a little bit but not really like we our intention was to be light mm-hmm. right? but when Ellie and I try to be light we're still pretty dark. Right. So that's
1: what I don't know what that's about. Oh, yeah, I tried. I did find one kind of humorous case to end on but you know what the cases that grab our interest just aren't the the, They're la- not the really intense indif- ones. Yeah. So. They're jacked up. They're mm-hmm. jacked up.
0: So, anyway, crime concept wise, we're going to continue to follow holiday mm-hmm. crimes and holiday themed crimes. And I think that Ellie's um, going to start with current events. Yes. We'll start there.
1: Do we want to start with our song or not?
0: Um, should we end with our song or should we start? Uh, with no, our let's
1: song? end with it. That'd be fun. Okay. Okay.
0: So, let's start with. Okay. So, we're going to start with current events. All right. About a lot of good, a good movies too that I'd like to maybe we have time mm-hmm. to do. We'll see where we end up. But anyway, go ahead. All right. So. And, and start with the current
1: events. <laughs> so I stumbled we'll upon this that. current events and it's so fitting um, because we're all out and about. Well, at least I am because I'm a last minute shopper. Uh, out shopping. <laughs> last minute.
0: Um, Let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you for one second. So Ellie lives in a different state, right? So I called her. Was it yesterday or the day before? And I was like, okay, I super suck. I have your package and it's so well thought. Mm-hmm out the gifts are uh-huh. amazing except you're not going to get it till right so let's talk about our last minute that's we get that from right mother. okay
1: so this this current event kind of fits into that so um a disturbance in arizona at a 24-hour walmart caused a, a lot of confusion in evacuation and a police chase and so let me just start okay so december 20th huh i said my thing Right, I mean, I so like- I will have to send you. And this sounds interesting, guys. Look it up because there's video. There's police body camera video, so it's kind of funny. But right. um, so on December 20th at just after midnight, police were called to a 24-hour Walmart um in Arizona due to reports of a man with a gun. So the suspect, 34-year-old Christopher Mendoza, had reportedly threatened his girlfriend with a gun. Get this, in the Walmart self-checkout.
0: <laughs> that self-checkout is a bit. Right? Trying, like, that's if you're trying to, like, scan your things, and there's people behind <laughs> you, and she's just, like, taking yeah. forever. I mean, I know. I would, Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Mr. Mendoza, I feel you.
1: So, police show up, and their body cam footage um, shows... So, first of all, on the report... Um, it says it caused a forced evacuation. So on the body cam footage, you can see that people are still in, in the self checkout. Like they're there doing their thing. So in the comments, <laughs> I'm like yeah. my neck. so in I the comments, someone's like, what? There was no evacuation. There's people clearly there. And this lady in the comments is like, look, I'm in the video. Like I'm right there when the video is happening. She said it all happened so fast that the pe- people around didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> They're like, what? I was
0: thinking they were like, no, I'm in line. I gotta get these presents. Like, I don't even care if I get shot. At least then I'll have an excuse.
1: You'll evacuate my ass after I scan these and pay. Yeah, I'm with you. So, police um, body camera footage shows police approaching Mendoza, and (laughs) first thing out of his mouth is, what? I didn't do nothing! (laughs) And then his girlfriend, of course, (laughs) Who had the, gun, who has the gun? Yeah, who had the gun pulled on her initially? Um, claims he didn't do nothing, <laughs> and so that's already funny. Unhand, so, <laughs> so police that's are kind of and at this, and point, the they're same time. maybe six feet away, five feet away, with not arms length, but pretty near him. Mendoza is seen backing up and hurling himself, and he's not a small guy hurling himself over the drink coolers <laughs> in the self checkout. Okay, we can all picture. <laughs> So Ow. Mendoza runs all the way through Walmart. You know, the the checkout in the so front. He, so wait, wait, wait.
0: Stop yeah. for a second. So he back backs, like, flips over, but probably doesn't clear it, right? He
1: jumps up, and, yeah, he makes it over. You, you have to check out the video. Oh, link it it Chris. It's quite – Okay, I want to He's see not it. the most agile character. I really don't know how he did this. He jumps over the cooler, clears it, and then you don't see him anymore, you know, because he's on the side of the cooler. But reports have him running through Walmart from the front of the store to the back of the store. And he makes it out of the back doors at Walmart. <laughs>
0: like the back doors? Where yes. The freight so been. he
1: escapes. And then um, nearby, he makes it, you know, into the neighborhood or whatever Walmart's in. And he stops a man at gunpoint and... Doesn't just carjack the man, but kidnaps the man and has, at gunpoint, forces the man to drive him to a nearby city um, of Avondale. And, okay, so so everyone is getting reports, right? Be on the lookout for this guy. Lord knows where he's going. So fast forward a couple days to December 22nd. The evening of December 22nd, police pull over a car that they believe have med- has Mendoza in it. Sure enough, a man who was Mendoza jumps out of the car and takes off running into a neighborhood. <laughs> so oh a chase ensued. Mendoza ran into a house, oh. and it's unclear if it was someone he knew the house. He knows the homeowners or whatever, but he runs into this house, and police kind of <laughs> sees that's the house he went into, right, and surround the house. Now, remember I said this. They surround the house. Mendoza is barricaded inside the house. Police attempt to, through the, the um, what is it called? The little <sighs> megaphone thing, try to mm-hmm. oh, Mendoza was come out, turn himself in, blah, blah, blah. They're talking to Mendoza. Hostage negotiation. Mendoza, d- doing what he does best at this point, manages to escape from the back what? door of the house. <laughs> Let me guess, he ran. He did. He ran out of the back door of the house and flees on foot still never to be seen i mean this was only a couple of days ago two days yesterday they haven't gone and they yet. haven't found him yet and i have been looking it up girl this is hilarious to me because one they're saying <laughs> the police are saying this man really doesn't want to be caught and and so please lock your doors and alarms and right duh he doesn't want to be caught he has escaped you guys twice and
0: <laughs> he's not even that good and he's not even that good from what not even said. that good but i just have, I have- one comment to make when you're can I make my comment? Please, right yeah. Fucking Mendoza.
1: <laughs> right? I keep emailing my my husband's at work today and I'm texting him updates on Mendoza like we know him personally. It's just so funny because
0: Well and it's funny too because when you're telling me, I'm like, wow he sounds bad. No, I have updates not,
1: though. He's not bad. Yeah, no, he is. fucking like, Mendoza. Like he's like you're not gonna catch me. I like, think it's hilarious. Yeah, said the report- yeah, the reports. The police surrounded the house. Um, clearly they didn't surround yeah. the house because he got out the back.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sorry to tell you but this is like police at its finest right now in 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 our society, which I know we're both law enforcement. <laughs> our dad is law enforcement. I'm not talking shit. It's just kind of funny, and I just want to say it is funny. Uh, Mendoza, he's, Men's he's got health- the
1: if any of you listeners are in Arizona, Mendoza's running around he's got a tattoo on his cheek, some word on his cheek, and a big tattoo of a word that's not really like it's not something and I didn't write it down um but it's kind of a it's not really a word so it must mean something but it's on his neck <laughs> um so I, he's you know he I will, oh, go ahead no though so he's he's not easily missed I just don't get it, but that's my tournament
0: <laughs> he's slippery he's very slippery fucking mendoza. Yeah. That's my new thing, fucking Mendoza. <laughs> Anytime someone gets the drop on me, I'm gonna be like fucking Mendoza. Right.
1: Me. My favorite. But
0: I just want to yeah. say that, just <laughs> from a law enforcement perspective, if yeah. ever you see people that have tattoos on their face mm-hmm. or mostly, well, their neck, mostly their face, uh-huh. I would say um, anecdotally, chances are ninety five percent certain. That that's an antisocial personality who's done time. Okay, yeah. Like you don't protect. people usually tattoo themselves in places where they can somewhat cover mm-hmm. it up, or maybe not. Maybe they're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Once you start tattooing the neck and then the face, mm-hmm. like you don't give a fuck anymore. Right. like you're just like fucking Mendoza. That's
1: my right, you <laughs> right. So
0: and so I'm telling you
1: guys, at, if you want, all, like it's an interesting read. The reports out because he's right eluded he the police so many times. In just a, a span of a week. It's not it's even like really that hard.
0: It sounds like the police are like, huh? And it's an
1: interesting video because I was picturing myself at the Walmart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have caught Mendoza. Like how silly. <laughs>
0: it's right there.
1: Yeah. Right there.
0: stop it. Um,
1: and I thought it was funny that in the comments, just the whole story is funny to me because the comments are like, they didn't evacuate. There's people there, and then the lady's like, "I was there. I didn't even know it was happening until I saw the police Nobody come." Told you know? me we
0: were evacuating. <laughs> like no one told me we were doing that. But I yeah. honestly think that if it was me right now, like last minute shopping at Walmart mm-hmm. and fucking Mendoza standing there, I'd just be like, "Bitch, move out of the way," because mm-hmm. I gotta buy I this shit, to get this.
1: And wrap it. Yeah. And I have and to. For- I have to do my thing. So you know? I didn't write I'm it down, um, but I just did hear about it earlier today. Um and it was That's in Arizona redundant. as well. Um <laughs> kind of a rougher mall, uh, like a like mall in a rougher area. Um there were two mm-hmm. there was a man that tried to carjack a woman at eleven o'clock during in the morning. So this is broad daylight. This fifty-four-year-old I think she was, or in her forties, I think she was in her fifties, was walking to her car and the man <laughs> attempted to carjack her and she drove away, but she got shot. He shot at her as she was driving away. Oh my god. And then he attempted to carjack another woman in the parking lot and she ran. So, did it kill no, her? No, she, uh, she, she died. they're expecting her to make a recovery, the first victim. The first
0: where do you her?
1: Sure? I don't know. But it just says he shot her as she was driving away. So he attempts to yeah. he doesn't get dissuaded and say, Oh well, maybe it's not my day. He's still in the mall parking oh. lot and goes to carjack another lady and she takes off running and runs to get help from a man who's in the in the parking lot. And the man who was trying and to he help her, her. Um, yeah. got shot by the suspect. Crackhead, so crackhead. the police show kind of Yeah, and end up shooting the the um, initial um, the guy, the suspect. the suspect.
0: The suspect. So,
1: but what was baffling to Good. me? Um, and then again, in the comments, I like to read the comments and kind of get more, you know, Always. eyewitnesses and opinions, yeah. and whatever. But. Um, they said that, well, duh, it happens. It's in a terrible neighborhood. And then someone's like, no, this just happened at another mall in an affluent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. and car jackings yeah. all over you guys. And especially this year, like oh. we covered um, last time. There's...
0: Yes. And that leads me into the reality of this yeah. season. So, you know, we hear all, and I mean, it's a, it's a thing. It's the holidays. Yay. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some people it isn't. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain and a lot of suffering that happens during this time of year that we don't acknowledge because we're not supposed to. So we're all supposed to put up our lights, right. And put on our smiles. And there's a lot of loss that happens around the holidays. And I know for my family, um, we lost my husband's grandmother first. I mean, September, um, of, it was, oh my gosh, it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lost, um, my husband's cousin who was murdered in a very, very, um, I guess violent, um, offense. It he was totally innocent bystander. He got caught up in some, somebody thought he was somebody else and it was a drug deal situation and he wasn't the person they thought anyway, killed him. He was 19 years old. Um, and then, Two months later in December of that same year, um, my husband's grandmother passed away. And so loss is is a thing during the holidays. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was two days before Christmas when we lost our grandma and it was two months after we lost our cousin. Mm -hmm. And so I can speak to that from a personal perspective that that, that really sucks. Mm -hmm. It's really hard and it it really hurts. And every year we, we, you know, we come upon it and it's exciting at the same time we have children and we have family and we have lots and lots of activities and fun things to do, but at the same time it's tainted with pain. And so I just want to speak to that for a minute or so that the reality is that, um, yeah, for some, it's the most wonderful time of the year. For some, it brings a ton Mm -hmm. of pain that they're trying to cover up and hide because, society doesn't say, go ahead and hurt during this time. It's like, be happy, be right. cheerful and be grateful and be all these things, which you can mm-hmm. be. And at the same time, reality mm-hmm. is what it is. And so I want to say mental health and um, substance abuse, domestic violence, drug use, drug disorders, skyrocket mm-hmm. during this time for those reasons. Trauma happens during this time. There's a lot of stress during the holidays. There's a lot of stress with money and family and um, expectations and all of the things that we know trigger um, all of the substance abuse and the domestic violence and all of these other things. And so for a lot of people, this time of year is not so great and it's not amazing and it's stressful and it's harmful and there are children involved. I will say that, who are um, caught up in this, where their friends are getting iPads and, you know, Playstations for Christmas, and they're hoping that their mom's going to make it because the dad's, you know, close to killing their mom, and that's a reality, and I know that that's a harsh reality, mm-hmm. but I want you to say, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I want you to know, I guess, um, from my perspective, I've seen it, I've been around it, yep. abuse skyrockets, domestic violence is insane, mm-hmm. there's more drinking, there's more drug use, there's more there's more parties, there's more holiday parties, there's more family strife, I don't like your mom, your sister doesn't like me, Yes. Um, whatever's going on in, in pressure and strain. And so I yep. just want to point that out. And I want you to know that um, suicide during the holiday season, so from about November to February, really does skyrocket. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know,
1: uh-huh.
0: and I know that just working with um, impoverished individuals yep. and people in um that socioeconomic group i can tell you that during the holidays where that's the busiest time and working in a prison population um having been an on-call mental health crisis counselor Uh during during christmas during uh thanksgiving and during new years it's insane and the amount of pain and the amount of um i guess desperation is the best way I can say it. It, It's outrageous. And I just want to speak to that because I know that this is a wonderful time and I'm really planning on getting my package out to my sister first and foremost, because that's really important. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, enjoying my amazing family and being so grateful for everything that we have and um, enjoying my parents and um, my family and our family and the people that we have with Mm us. And loving and being so grateful and focusing on gratitude yes. but I also want to keep in mind the people that are not so lucky yes. and I also want to speak to the fact that even though a lot of us are being cheerful and happy and grateful, mm-hmm. we still have a lot of pain. Yes. And and that deserves attention and so that's my high horse, that's my reality check yes. and that's all I want to
1: say that was good, yep, yeah, perfect, well said alright, should we dive into our cases?
0: Yes. So dive into your first cases. Hey. I want to hear so, it. I'm yeah. So
1: I have two cases today. So I had two all prepared and then really I was just listening to a podcast earlier and I stumbled upon this one that I want to tell you instead. Um and it is the and I just found it super interesting and you'll I hope you see why. Um so it's the disappearance of Rachel Cook, and she disappeared on Christmas uh, break two thousand two. Yep. So 19-year-old Rachel Cook was from Georgetown, Texas. Um, She had a close-knit family, and she lived in a really good um, area. Um, Rachel moved to San Francisco, California to attend college. And oddly enough, her family was worried about her um, moving to California because they believed she'd be in greater danger in a larger city than in her small, seemingly safe community in Texas so Rachel was home visiting her family and she and her boyfriend that she had met while she was in school in California. Um, and they were getting really serious. They were planning on moving in together. So she invited him home, um, with her family over Christmas. Well, he could only stay a few days, but she was going to stay on a little bit longer. Um, he had to get back for work, but I believe she was going to stay, um, and take part in some family events. So she was staying a little bit longer. So on the morning of January 10th, Rachel's father, mother and sister left the house like normal in the morning for school. And work. And they left. Rachel was still sleeping um, about 8 a.m. Rachel's boyfriend from California um, called her and Rachel told him that she was just about to go on a run. This is something she did every morning, went on a four to six mile run. So he thought nothing of it. He said, OK, call me when you get home. Later, around 3 p.m., Rachel's father returned home due to having plans. He got home a little early because he and Rachel had plans to go out shopping that day. He found that Rachel wasn't home. Um, She didn't have a car. She didn't have uh, anything. They had plans together. So he thought that was a little bit odd. But when sometimes when Rachel was home visiting, she liked to pick up shifts at a local restaurant and work there. So he thought oh maybe she got called in, you know, cover a shift. So he calls over to the restaurant and they and he says, you know, is Rachel working? And he's told yes. So he's like, oh, okay, cool, that's what it is. Doesn't ask to speak to her or anything. He's like, okay, cool, she picked up a shift. She's busy. yeah. So they wait for her. Uh nightfall comes and um they thought oh she's still at home. There was no sign of her. Her mother's like, okay, now I'm getting a little bit worried. Um, They went and looked in her room. They realized that the only thing that was missing, her cell phone was there, her wallet was there. The only thing that was missing was her running clothes, her running shoes, and a little portable music player that she used when she went on runs. Hmm. So they're asking around. They call the police and they're initially told, oh, it hasn't been long enough, She's, you know, an adult. Those things that you hear tend to hear over and over. Wait, 24 hours, Right, right. She's, da, da, da.
0: she's decided to pack up and leave. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe that's right. The...
1: She's an adult. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the parents did a little bit of calling around and decided they weren't going to wait for the police. It turns out they recalled, they called the restaurant again and they said, hey, you said Rachel was working. When did she leave? Well, it turns out it was another Rachel that was on duty. And it wasn't her so they so all that right all let's that not worry. worry about it so they did a little bit of um calling around and researching police became involved finally but I think it was the next day or the day after that um they questioned the neighbors and six different people saw Rachel running that morning one neighbor even saw her at the end of um her own at the end of the driveway just two houses away from her uh, family's home Oh, yeah. Wow. So the I guess the neighbor was backing up and had to wait for Rachel to walk by. And so she noticed she was running, walking at that point. So she thought, oh, well, she's coming home. Yeah. There is no evidence that Rachel ever returned back to the house. So somewhere in those last 100 to 200 yards from her house, Rachel vanished without oh a trace.
0: Gosh. Within like what, five minutes? Yes. yes.
1: In minutes and literally two houses away from her house. So, um, Police brought oh the, my god. Police brought everyone in for questioning that was close to um her friends and stuff like that. Her father ended up failing a polygraph test and that seemed rather hmm. suspicious at the time, but her mother later explained it away saying um that he failed because the question was um he failed on one question and it was do you know where Rachel is? The family had oh, wow. by that time come to believe that Rachel was was dead, was no longer alive so she said that her yeah. husband meant he thinks Rachel's in heaven
0: well and and i can say right? honestly as um, i mean i'm not a polygraph expert right? but i use polygraph like every day in my in my career <clears throat> and i can say that those kind of questions do you think do you feel mm-hmm. was it real what was your intent right. i mean those are not solid polygraph right. questions, so only kind of questions
1: yeah i have a really strong suspicion you know? yeah so
0: the only well the only type of of polygraph questions that have validity are behavioral yep. questions. Did you do yes. this? Did you do that? Yes. Did you, not what you know, not what you exactly. think, not what you feel. It's, did you, did you do this right. behavioral questions? And, and it's, um, and there's a, I mean, I can, we can I, and I, I think it's on our list, right, to do some polygraph. Um, yes, yes, yes. So we can do that at some other point, mm-hmm. but I just want to speak to that. Yep. That that's a shitty ass and weak question. Yes. Yeah. And I can pull cool, if if we need to at some. Um, and I would love to do that because I have lots of connections with polygraph examiners. Oh, awesome!
1: Okay, yeah, that, can that is definitely on that, our list and it's how exciting how it works.
0: Um, but I can say they they say that all the time. Like that's a shitty question. Like, why did they ask right. that question? Because that's not going to yield hmm. like a valid response. It's going to yield some weird shit because when you're dealing with feelings and thoughts and. Yeah yeah it's it's
1: hokey yeah. but so, it super suspicious but you know what it it lost its it that edge over time and for that very reason so police also questioned rachel's ex-boyfriend um who was from that town who was um reportedly still wanting to be with rachel and had approached her at a party um over that christmas break and um they couldn't find a whole lot of evidence on him either so there were no breaks in the case and unfortunately I didn't write down until the year what year but um, some years later a career criminal Michael Moore um confessed to and he was in in prison for murder at the time he confessed to the kidnapping and the murder of Rachel and And he he kind of he described the case and what he did to Rachel and he it kind of fit what he had done to his past victims so they believed him while he was on stand in court after he had already um, signed a plea agreement and everything, Michael recounted his confession, saying that it was all a lie and kind of a cruel joke. Oh, so the DA, mm-hmm. the DA's office, know. yeah, the DA's office determined that they couldn't charge him because they didn't have any evidence. It was literally his confession, right? So mm-hmm. they didn't. Him. And there are so many. They kind of. There are so many. Suspected that, that he just kind of there that we said it. Just yeah. for fun. he might have just said it to mm-hmm. get out of prison in whatever state he was in to kind of go get extradited to to Texas to go to court. Oh my god, a big fun time. That's
0: gonna play into the case. I'm gonna talk about what you just said right there. <laughs> there is manipulation of criminals yes. to get moved. Yes. What? What? That happened? No, <laughs> right? They don't do that. <laughs> In my case, it's going to be a lot more solidified, but yes, right. people hold on to your seat, but they do that. And, and criminals do a lot of manipulation uh-huh. and a lot of manipulating circumstances and laws and yeah. um, loopholes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it could have been that. It could be he's just a piece of shit. Sex, psychopath. Right. So, making people.
1: So this was in 2002 uh-huh. that Rachel went missing. And to this day, the disappearance of Rachel is still unsolved. I highly, highly re- recommend you guys looking into this case further. Um, there are a lot of details that I couldn't cover here just because of time constraints. Yeah. Um, absolutely. True Crime Daily has a great YouTube video, and on their website they have her story in great detail. The Vanished podcast and Crime Junkie podcast have great and in-depth episodes on Rachel's case, so I would encourage y'all to go look. Um, but overall, yeah, it-, it caught my interest because she was um. You know, kind of like just a regular nice college student who everybody liked and from a small town and a great family, a seemingly crime free neighborhood I cannot believe tell you how many times I read that um, it doesn't happen. Right, middle of the day cr- crime free and quote 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 unquote crime free neighborhood six people saw her <laughs> that morning running, and she is she she vanished. There, there was no so trace have, of her. Yeah.
0: So I have a line from the Golden Girls. With Rose, I don't know. I'm into the Golden Girls lately. This is my thing. <laughs> I discovered that on Hulu. The Golden Girls, which we grew up watching, sister, mm-hmm. and rewatching and rewatching throughout our lives, and that really, I feel like, really did help shape who we are. Okay. The Golden
1: Girls, would you say that? Uh-huh. Yes,
0: maybe a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, there's that episode where Rose says. He has to like me. Everybody likes me. And Blanche goes, Can't say that anymore. Yes. That reminds me of that. It's a safe neighborhood. Nothing ever happens. And i would be like,
1: mm, can't, say can't say that. Abs, anymore. I quote that all the time. That's so funny that you said that, sister. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> can't say that anymore. <laughs> you can't say that anymore, yeah. honey. My son no? historically okay. he'll say, I never do that or I don't and I'm always using that line on can't say that anymore. <laughs>
0: I do it too all the time. Like they would never. I mean, you can't say that anymore. Right. <laughs> so it's the Golden yeah. Girls. I mean, whatever. But what, I will quote that. I yeah a million times. So if you're irritated by that, I'm sorry, but right. I do it. Like, when I speak in movie reference, yes, the Golden Girls quote. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's what we do. Yes.
1: All yeah. right. So,
0: um, I yeah. have a case that's. I mean, it's a little notorious and it's a little bit serious and, and well, it's very, very serious. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lie, but it's a Christmas, a Christmas classic, yes. I guess. Um, So it, it's very close to um, where my sister and I were raised. I'll just say that, but it is the case. It's, it's, it's a very, very true crime and people will relate to it because I think a lot of us can um, remember when we heard about this case and it was in 1996 1996, in boulder colorado where john benet Mm -hmm. ramsey was believed to be kidnapped so i'm going to foreshadow a little bit and in 1996 earlier 1996 a man named gary oliva was a sex offender who had registered in the same neighborhood and very very near where JonBenet Ramsey lived. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows anything about Boulder, you'll recognize that Boulder is a very affluent area. Um, you have to have a lot of money and a lot of clout to live in Boulder, basically. Mm-hmm. And so having a sex offender living in Boulder is kind of a rarity, I guess. Yep. But this yeah. guy was living there. So we fast forward to Christmas the day after Christmas, actually, I was going to say Christmas Day, but it was actually the day after Christmas. So Christmas Eve came, Christmas Day came, the morning of the day after Mm -hmm. Christmas. So um, December 26, 1996, Patsy Ramsey, who was John JonBenet Ramsey's mother, JonBenet Ramsey was a six-year-old. Patsy Ramsey called the police and reported that a ransom note had been found and that somebody had kidnapped her child and her daughter, Bennett. She reported that there had been a kidnapping and there was this ransom note left and that the police needed to come and they shouldn't come because the ransom note said that if police were notified, they were going to behead the child and it was just this convoluted mess. So, the police in Boulder were ill-equipped mm-hmm. to deal with something like this. They hadn't dealt with anyone this is a very affluent neighborhood crime yes. is very very low um jaywalking people maybe smoking marijuana right <laughs> on the street or in places they shouldn't be it was it was mm-hmm. boulder in 1996 it wasn't a high crime ridden area and so the the police to be fair were Ill- going right. to deal with the mm-hmm. situation right. so they show up to this possible kidnapping this ransom situation and they're I guess, doing their best, but they didn't mm-hmm. do very well. And it, Their best was really, yeah. really bad. So they didn't secure the crime scene. What they did is they came in and they believed everything they were told at face value by the Ramses mm-hmm. And that was Patsy Ramsey and, and um, John Ramsey. And what they were led to believe was that they woke up on the 26th early in the morning and there was a note on the staircase that said that it was um, that there. They had their Mm -hmm. daughter, uh, Bonet, and that they were some kind of a small foreign faction um, group that were going to, I guess, depend on their silence. And if they wanted their daughter back, they would be silent. They would give this money. The demand was for Mm -hmm. $118,000 for her safe return. If they called the police, she would be beheaded is what the note said. And if they didn't and they cooperated, a 100% chance that she would be returned safely. So... Fast forward, the investigation is getting underway. There's all these people in and out of the house, and there's just John and Patsy talking about what's going on, and there's friends coming in, there's friends leaving. There's no control of the crime mm-hmm. scene, which was the home where Bonnet had been abducted from. Um, they're starting to look at, did, did somebody force their way into the house? Was you I mean, Did somebody coax mm-hmm. her out of the house? What's going on? But there had been no control of that crime scene, which I think today we can all say, like, no matter where mm-hmm. you're at, even if you're in rural Pennsylvania, right. we hear about crime scene investigation. 1996, yeah, it really wasn't that important, especially in an affluent neighborhood like Boulder, Colorado. Yep. And so um, ultimately, the police decided to get John Ramsey out of their hair and ask him to go look around the house one more time and make sure that um, they couldn't, that he couldn't like, find anything weird or find any kind of clues. So, John Ramsey and a good friend of his went downstairs to the basement and they discovered in the wine cellar, which was kind of like a deep hidden room almost, mm-hmm. the body of John Bonet. And so that was on the 26th of December, 1996. On mm-hmm. um, that same day, it was discovered that John Ramsey had tried to book a private flight with his private jet to Atlanta mm-hmm. and for he and his family. When he was asked about it later, he said they were just trying to get out of the spotlight because the spotlight on that day was becoming too intense. Um, he found his daughter's body on that day strangled. And and I mean, we'll talk more about cause of death in a little bit, but a dead body of a six-year-old, he mm-hmm. was his daughter, and he was trying to book a flight to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police at that point decided they needed to contain the situation, mm-hmm. right? Now we have a body, we have a contaminated ass crime scene. We have fingerprints everywhere. Now we can't, do we say that John Ramsey's fingerprints are on the body in the evidence? Do we say they weren't? Because he was allowed to go up and down and he found the body. And so there's a lot of stuff that, you know, wasn't really kosher with the evidence Mm -hmm. collection in that, in that situation. So the police were trying to recover. Um, on twelve thirty one nineteen ninety six, they held a funeral. A funeral was held for John and she was buried. Um, there was a lot of investigating that was happening, and John and Patsy, Patsy Ramsey were, you know, acting weird the whole time. Mm-hmm. I guess I can say, um, and you can look up any documentary, and you can look. There are tons and tons of stories on YouTube mm-hmm. and in the news that just kind of depict some of the weirdness that they were doing, um, and in. January on January fourth, nineteen ninety-seven, um, the police finally came out and revealed the cause of death. They revealed that Bonet had been strangled by a homemade garage, mm. um that was actually fashioned from a paintbrush in her mother's art kit, mm. and so she had been strangled, and that was the cause of death. They found physical evidence that indicated that she had physical abuse and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And they also found DNA evidence on her from an unknown male suspect. They didn't know who it was. So there was one sub who left DNA on her body and nobody knew who it was. Um nothing. It was kinda like crickets for a little while. And of course, in the middle of all of this, the media is like scrutinizing the Boulder Police. Like, what the fuck were you doing? It? Like you didn't have basic crime scene training you didn't they didn't have any kind of evidence collection training or basic crime scene management training which in 1996 um i'm not really sure i think that might have been a thing i know that now Crime scene preservation is Mm -hmm. huge everywhere in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're all trained um, in residential treatment settings Mm -hmm. and in prison settings and in, of course, like any kind of law enforcement setting. We're trained very heavily on evidence collection Mm -hmm. and and, um, evidence security, Mm -hmm. right? And chain of custody and all those things. At the time, though, it was just a shit show. And everybody was all over evidence was everywhere. And everybody's DNA was everywhere, including the cops and detectives Uh that were investigating the situation. Um, And so they, they, they were even looking at like, we're in Colorado in the middle of winter and snow happens. Right. And we know, I mean, we understand Uh snow says, and you understand that if you step on snow and even if more snow falls, there's still going to be a footprint, right? Well, there were so many footprints everywhere. There was no protection of Uh that evidence. And, I mean, in Colorado, snow evidence is amazing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's like a perfectly, like a primed evidence collection petri dish, right? Well, it was jacked up. So, there were just so many, so many flaws mm-hmm. in the investigation. And so, I think that um, another another thing that's notable was in March of 1997, the FBI released an analysis of the um, ransom note. And they said that It was unlikely that anybody but Patsy Ramsey had authored that note. They said that it was likely that somebody else had written the note. Um, It wasn't her handwriting, but it was her vernacular. It was the words that she would use, and so they they came on pretty definitely with that statement that she authored that note, and whether it was to protect her Mm -hmm. husband to protect herself to protect her child or to protect some kind of weird underground Uh sector. Nobody could be sure, but it was, it was pretty evident. I think at that time that she had authored that note. So again, fast forward, um, January 15th, 1998, Patsy and John Ramsey were interviewed again, Mm -hmm. and they decided that they didn't want to be interviewed. So the police were going to interview them. They had said they were going to go live with Mm -hmm. this interview of their true story of what happened to JonBenet and then they decided they didn't want to do that and so here we are this happened in 1996 here we are in 1998 a year and you know 10 months later whatever that is and still no clue as to what actually mm-hmm. happened to that child Um in 1999 the police or the um, I think it was the FBI at that time had questioned her brother yes. Burke, who had been nine years old at the time of the crime, and he had been heard on the initial nine one one call that Patsy made um to police dispatch saying that there was this kidnapping and you could hear Burke in the background and then there was some back and forth about whether or not he was asleep during that time or he was not. So anyway, um in May of nineteen ninety nine he was interviewed again by the FBI and they decided um they took it to a grand jury is what it was. I'm sorry, I said FBI, but it was the grand jury that decided that he was not a suspect and he was more of a witness. So he was present during the time that something happened to his sister, but they didn't consider him to be a suspect in in that event. And then we fast forward to 2002, where remember that foreshadowing, that piece of shit, Gary Oliva, whatever, um, the sex offender that lived close to her. He confessed to killing her. He confessed all these sort of details and started you know talking some weird shit about her perfect body and all this perfect stuff and it was horrible and he confessed to killing her well found out that later on fast forward the DNA was not his and there was no way that he could have committed the crime he was just a sick motherfucking pedophile who was being weird and so he didn't we didn't kill her, so it's still up in the air about who who killed her. Mm-hmm. Um In two thousand three, it was discovered that the DNA on her underwear was not even hers. There was no DNA from Jean Bonnet on her underwear, which is really really weird. So there's another another loop in that weird weird case. Um, And then something else that's notable in two thousand six, some stupid asshole, forty one year old John Mark Carr who was living in Bangkok, and he was um, he was a teacher mm-hmm. of, I don't know, he was some kind of a teacher in Thailand, um, but he was living in Bangkok, and he confessed that he had killed John, or he had seen John Binet die. He didn't say he killed her. He was present when she died, and it was an accident, mm-hmm. and so the police started to get involved and started to question him and try to figure out what was going on with that situation, um, So they extradited his ass to the United States from Thailand. Come to find out that motherfucker was being looked at by the <laughs> Thai government for sexual assault against I'm children sure. charges. And he knew that his stint in the United States would be much easier than his stint in <laughs> prison in Thailand. And so that motherfucker orchestrated his movement, his extradition. That's why I said Your ex- the extradition thing. True story. Yeah, These assholes do it. He was extradited to the United States. Now he's sitting pretty in some prison somewhere. Hopefully, uh, I'm not going to say hopefully, but most right. likely dealing with some some adversity, but nowhere near what he would be in a prison right. in Thailand. So yeah. he effectively orchestrated his extradition by claiming that he had killed John Binay. And yeah. so it's still up in the air. Um, Patsy Ramsey and John Ramsey have died since. I think both of them died. I know Patsy died. I think John Ramsey has died also. Mm -hmm. Um, And Burke released um, an interview with Dr. Phil Mm -hmm. where he acted really, really strange. And there's a lot of speculation about whether or not he killed his sister. Um, Watch the interview. Google it. um, YouTube. It's Dr. Phil with um, Burke Mm -hmm. Ramsey. And draw your own conclusions. But that's a fucked up Christmas story that every year people think about. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely.
1: Ugh. Damn, what? that's a good one. heavy shit? A crazy, crazy, terrible case, but a good one because it is so all over the place, and the theories are so all over the place.
0: Oh, and I didn't even touch on the fact that she was a beauty queen.
1: Yeah. All of that
0: piece of it. Yes. yes, I would need like I would need like a four episode right thing to do that. But there is so much yeah. in that uh-huh. case.
1: All the cases that we touch upon, you guys, we really encourage y'all to go look up and get more details because we really do, due to our time constraints, can't tell all the details that we want. So we just have to kind of get into it. But um, that's a really, really good case. That I just had an talk. idea,
0: though. Uh-huh. What if, uh, okay, eventually, and we'll talk about this yeah. more, I think, outside of here. But we might do like an hour segment on one case right. at some right. point and we'll just dissect the fuck out of it, which is what we do when we're on the phone. Right. The
1: um, yeah, because when I was looking up the Rachel Cook case, I was like, oh, I just want to say that, and I want to say that, and you know we just can't with, okay. with how our layout is, but absolutely. So speaking of time, we're almost 45 minutes, but I have one more case to share.
0: Oh, this is, we're we're probably going to go an hour, <laughs> so we're going to do an extra 15 minutes.
1: And Merry Christmas. This one is a little bit of um it, it's a gem. It's a true gem. (laughs) It's, you know, it's it's a true crime, but it does have a little bit of humor sprinkled in there and it will have you um, shaking your head. So this is a case of a bank robbery that that took place in Cisco, Texas in 1927. 24-year-old Marshall Ratliff was a career criminal and Just prior to this bank robbery, Marshall and his brother had been released from prison on an 18-year sentence after just serving one year um, on a sentence for bank robbery. Marshall's mother had appealed the then governor who had pardoned the boys. So instead of turning their lives around and going on the straight and narrow, as you know, one would hope if you're pardoned from prison, Which is what we would have done, (laughs) right? I don't know if we were bank robbers and had gotten off after one year on an 18 year sentence.
0: We would have learned our
1: lesson. So the boys quickly started planning yet another bank robbery. Of course. Now, this was especially risky during this time period because in 1927, in this town in Cisco, Texas, or around the area, there were about three to five bank robberies a day the Texas Bankers Association offered a $5,000 reward for anyone who shot and stopped a bank robber. (laughs) So, okay, so it was risky, right? And they're still going for it. So the crew, so turns out, um, oh, here, I'm gonna get to, okay. So uh, the crew (laughs) in a getaway car dropped off Marshall um, dressed as Santa Claus, they dropped him off down the street from the bank. Now Marshall had decided oh to God. dress as Santa Claus because he was too easily recognizable as Marshall. You know, he was a career criminal in this small town. He was a bank robber. Yeah,
0: Santa Claus is, <laughs> is a good disguise. No one's going to pay attention to Santa So
1: he thought, yep, Santa, and I'll be able to to get away with this. So this is the great part of it. So while member of the getaway crew drops him off down the street while walking to the bank, Marshall, dressed as Santa, proceeds to smile and wave at all the people passing by. <laughs> he should have been giving out candy things. He, he, he didn't have, have that forethought, but he did the next best thing. He stopped and talked to every child who approached him. He asked them what they wanted. What to do <laughs> Now, children are following him down the street. He didn't hear. He didn't give it a second <laughs> thought. He enters the bank, and he loudly announces, pi- this place. is a stick-up. Just as he was announcing that there was a stick-up, um, a six-year-old little girl who had s- seen Santa, Marshall, on the street and begged her mom to go follow Santa into the bank, they were just walking in as he's announcing, this is a stick-up. So the dog, the mother grabs her daughter by the arm and runs out the back door of the bank, screaming that there's a bank being robbed right now. So due to the $5,000 reward being offered, the townspeople, and I'm saying everybody in every store nearby, every house, all of the townspeople (laughs) gather all the weapons that they have and they quickly surround (laughs) the bank. (laughs) And they legit, and they legit it. It was like the other But, you know, Mendoza might be a descendant of Marshall because, listen, he he got away. They the robbers it. run out the back of the bank and hop in a um, getaway car. Mendoza. They, Mendoza. Right? They yeah. take two girls, two teenage girls from inside the bank. They take them as hostages um, not far yeah. away from the bank. Um, the getaway car was running out of gas. It was all shot up. So the tires were, were <laughs> flat. <laughs> so the robbers determined that they couldn't get very far anymore. So they left their hostages, their car and all of the money and from money. the bank robber. <laughs> and they took off on foot. After a massive manhunt, the men were caught. The th- the Santa disguise ended up being a huge help for Marshall because no one could clearly identify him.
0: No
1: one could clearly identify him. Yeah. (laughs) So Marshall's (laughs) sentence because of his great disguise was thought to be, uh, was a lot lighter than his accomplices. Right. And so this is 1927. So in perspective, right. So his, uh, baby. some of the um accomplices were sentenced to hanging. Some were sentenced to life, oh, and Marshall was sentenced to something, and I didn't write it down something like 80 years, which wasn't life. Oh my god. So it's so much. It like right. Off. But the community really thought this was this was a light sentence. They wanted to see him hang, right? So they decided so to right. pu to execute Marshall. So they stormed the the jail, called for Marshall. The same people that surrounded the bank, <laughs> right. right? And they um, demanded for Marshall. Pitchforks. To, they, yeah, they demanded for Marshall to come out, and they really hold up outside the jail. And... Um, wow. So... <laughs> I forgot how, but Marshall, in an attempt to escape from jail, knowing that the townspeople are surrounding the jailhouse and everything, in an, Again, in, Mendoza's right? in an a- attempt to escape, because he does not want to be caught, or he doesn't want to stay there, he makes nice with the guard, and happens to get the guard's key, and is running out of the jail to escape, and is met by the townspeople who are in an uproar, and they publicly Right, 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 and they—they the they right. ended up
0: and the beast. Where they're like, exactly,
1: the and so that's exactly what they ended up doing. They ended up pu- executing him right while he's in police custody. Oh shit! <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so that was the story oh, no. of, of Marshall Ratliff, the Santa Claus banker <laughs> in 1927.
0: I love the fact that my sister fucking thinks this is a light Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> God, I fucking love it. But I also I also want everyone to picture the car or even not even the cartoon. The cartoon, the movie, whatever, Beauty and the Beast, where they are like, Kill the beast and they all have yeah, pitchforks this and was, those little sticks with the fire this on them was and probably hey, when beast, it
1: was what looked like. To-
0: that's what happened to fucking right. Marshall. I mean, come on. Mendoza, not right. so much, but let's get, a, let's get our posse together. Mm-hmm. Mendoza might not. You know what? Away,
1: I'm man. saying, guys, let's all go down to Arizona. Let's do this. Let's handle it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're not going to do it. We're not going to go for Mendoza. Mendoza will get exactly. this. I still need to look at the videos, yeah. but I'm imagining. His,
1: girlfriend, a little fat cholo. his girlfriend's probably one. <laughs> yeah. right? His girlfriend's probably sad that the whole thing happened, blaming herself. Lord knows.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: But okay.
0: The dynamics of domestic right. violence, right? It was my right. fault. I he didn't do nothing. He says
1: she says on the video. But,
0: yeah, he didn't do nothing. Okay. If I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have provoked him, he wouldn't have pulled a gun on my ass. So
1: let's back up to the case from 1927. Wouldn't it be fantastic if they offered us a five thousand dollar reward for stopping and killing a criminal? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Dream um like you...
0: why can't that be a thing anymore? I feel like that was No, instead instead I stop a criminal and I get
1: fucking sued right? like three ways right. sideways
0: and I'm in court for two billion years. That's my life story. If I like
1: clothesline that's just what Yeah, if I was happened to be in the Walmart and clothesline Mendoza, I would have in got in Walmart? trouble. <laughs> Not five thousand dollars. For clotheslining
0: Mendoza. <laughs> but I'm saying like I, I seriously I am stopping criminals all right? the time and they're convicted yeah. and they're no. sentenced and they see yeah. my ass left, right,
1: nobody right, right. is going to give you five thousand dollars for delivering their head on a platter it's just you know it's not that time anymore Nineteen twenty seven. what a not. time to be alive <laughs> I guess or the fact that
0: criminal justice was where it was where you had to pay 75000 dollars to catch a
1: criminal. I, I love know. how they left their getaway car, the hostages and their money. And I love and how the, the money. and the money. How the police still chased them. Like they already got the money. Like, but they this was no, the biggest of course. Man- we gotta get these this goals. was the biggest manhunt still in Texas history. This is this was severe. I love yeah, it. I it was crazy. It. I love it
0: and I love everything about it. <laughs> Me too. It. I love all the dynamics of it. <laughs> I love the fact that these asshole criminals are so mm-hmm. stupid. Like, at least take your money, bitch. Like, take mm-hmm. your money.
1: So all you're I learned behind from...
0: you're, you're gonna get caught anyway. Mm-hmm. Go spend
1: it. All I learned from this whole event was dress as Santa Claus because the beard and the hat provides a fantastic disguise. Yep,
0: yeah, then you can't be positively <laughs> ID'd. Except for if your dad. And mom takes a picture of you on Christmas Eve pretending to be Santa Claus. Talk about that, (laughs) because that was jacked up.
1: Well, we knew that was dad. We were not fooled like the townspeople.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, long story short, for a long time, we believed there was a Santa Claus, right? (laughs) So, my mom decides that to add to our mystique (laughs) and our fantasy, she's going to take a picture of Santa Claus in front of our tree. Well, it was clearly my mm-hmm. father, who has very distinct features.
1: He does not like the
0: Santa beard and a Santa outfit <laughs> on, with his freaking cold ass um, thousand yard stare, stop it, stop. Soldier look
1: <laughs> with Santa Claus beard
0: on, oh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to look jovial, and look jolly. <laughs> He doesn't look jolly. My dad looks like a Cuban friggin' drug right. lord. I have tears in dead my dead eyes. <laughs> right. So picture a Cuban drug lord with that hard-ass stare and a beard. He's
1: trying to be all cute Santa Claus. He was adorable. My we would my snowy. Now it's we adorable. would know our dad in hear. the bank dressed as Santa from a hundred yards away. We like just would. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's. Big J.
1: too funny oh uh, okay so look we're almost up to our hour this. We are. We are. Okay. So we okay, end we on a, bang, so on a we banger. We
0: said we were going to have fun. And I'm sorry that we didn't have too much fun, but we were having fun. Yeah. Like we, we equate fun to like we're having um, fun. So we thought you all would have fun too. I'm sorry if it wasn't your idea.
1: Okay. All not right. much.
0: You should probably drink wine too when you listen to our podcast. Right. Rachel
1: <laughs> Cook, John Bunet Ramsey, they were serious, but they happened around Christmas time. Um, and they're really big, unsolved cases. They needed to be said. And then the current event was just hilarious. Mendoza is the goat, right? He's the greatest of all time. If you're a criminal, stupid, stupid. <laughs> and um, Marshall Ratliff was just hilarious. Yeah,
0: that's that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so funny. Cool. Okay, so we are going to end this with a beautiful rendition of the most wonderful time of the year. Mm. I hope we can pull this off. We haven't practiced at think all. We've up. written the verse Let's... like not that not that long ago but Mm -hmm. we are going to go ahead and give you our rendition um to kind of to kind of end this whole thing and so here we go (laughs) (laughs) it's the most dangerous time of the year with dickheads jingle belling and every ass yelling be in good cheer Mm. it's the most jack of time of the year it's disrupted schedules ridiculous carols assholes invading your home it is so <laughs> fucking tempting to be alone
1: it's the most dangerous time of the year there'll be crazy carjackings and internet hackings and drunkards passed out in the snow There'll be heroin habits and desperate craft addicts pretending they aren't so low. It's the most, the
0: most dangerous, dangerous time, dangerous
1: time <laughs> of, of the year. year.
0: <laughs> I love very, that. <laughs> wonderful, dangerous time of the year. <laughs> so Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Please know that all of this isn't just yeah. sort of, but it's also to give you yeah. a check of reality. All of those things are happening, and it is wonderful for a lot of people. Yes. For a lot of people, it's not so wonderful. So let's keep that in yes. mind. And and watch your back as games. you're out and
1: about. Um, I know we're nearing Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve here and Christmas. Um, but as, as you're out shopping, as you're out seeing the Christmas lights or um, visiting, you know, anything in your town, um, just... It, lock your doors be when aware. you're home alone, even lock your doors, alarms, whatever you can protect yourselves because be you yep. Not for a good time.
0: And yeah. and also, please just be good human beings and yeah. be aware that other people might be struggling. Again, here's my yeah. reality check. We yeah. are so blessed, Ellie. You yeah. have yeah. so many things, even though I haven't sent your
1: Right, I haven't either. Right, we haven't, and I moved.
0: promise it will. It will be a blessing to you. You will be so enthralled. Right, my gifts for you. Right, but anyway, I just want people to be decent Absolutely. and be um, understanding and loving, and mm-hmm. know that there are people struggling. And again, remember that people lose people during the holidays, mm-hmm. and those pains don't go away. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So and, be decent. Yep. Be decent. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. And we hope you um, found our episode educational, uh, fun Not in some disturbing. way. Stop provoking anything. And, again, look up more information on the Rachel Cook disappearance, the Benet disappearance. Um, uh, John Bonet disappearance.
0: Murder. JonBenet murder. Yes. She was dead. She's dead.
1: Oh, yes. And... I guess that's it.
0: And even the funny one, even the funny one.
1: Right, Marshall Ratliff, Mm -hmm. bank robber, Santa bank robber. And you know what? If you look up Santa bank robber, more than just Marshall come up, you guys. I don't know what that says about our world. (laughs) I don't know about that.
0: (laughs) I don't know what that means, but (laughs) it's pretty. It's pretty
1: legit. So yeah.
0: All right. Good night.
1: Good night. And um, to all, uh, what is it? Christmas and to.
0: What is that whole thing? Oh, so I can't even to think all of a good it. Now. Night?
1: Yeah. I don't know. To- Merry Christmas to all and to all and a good night. To very- all a good night. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Love you. Love <sighs> you. Kisses. Love Bye. you. Bye.
1: Bye.